Blog Talk Radio. presents another Gone But Not Forgotten Airline. The past four episodes were called Airlines Gone But Not Forgotten. In episode 54, we talked about Transworld Airlines, or better known as TWA. Episode 55, we heard about Pan American World Airlines, Pan Am. Episode 56 was National Airlines. And 57, last week, brand of International Airlines. And today, we talk about Eastern Airlines, my airline. Great guests, history, and memories by former employees of these airlines are included in the broadcast. Uh, my name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show. If you're listening on the show's website, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, you'd like to call in and talk with our guest, host, or to add your comments, you can dial us at 213-816-1611. The producer, me, will see your home, your number on the caller's board and open your microphone, which is your phone, to bring you into the conversation. Now, let me repeat that number again, 213-816-1611. 1611. We're a satellite-based radio show, and we're carried around the world, and over country, over 50 countries, uh, we've identified that listen in regularly. 
And we've been doing this for over 11 years now. And if you'd like to listen to any of our previous shows, nearly 700 now, you can go to the web address I've I gave you, which was, again, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now, that Captain Eddie is abbreviated C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. And you can choose any show from this show back to 11 years ago when it all began. Margaret, you were there with us when we started, so and we'll be hearing from Margaret. She's on her road traveling eastbound to Jacksonville. Since we have callers and listeners from all airlines, we thought it would be a great uh, idea to start a series of little-known facts about airlines that uh, we call Gone But Not Forgotten. Now, I see you on my board uh, hosting today's show. You're going to have to give me just a minute to open up some microphones here because uh, not only talking and producing at the same time, uh, boy, mistakes come up real fast. So I'm going to open, first of all, Captain Jim Holder's microphone and say, hello, Jim. How are you? Okay. How's everybody else doing? Okay. Well, we can't hear everybody else, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let, let me open up Captain Jim Harris's microphone and say, hello, Jim Harris. Now, wait, wait a minute, Jim, before you say hello. Uh, Jim Holder, you're in the Atlanta area, right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. And Jim Harris, you're about out there in Texas. Exactly where in Texas are you, Jim Harris? I'm exactly in Dripping Springs, Texas, which is about 15 miles due west of Austin, Texas. Okay. It's called the Hill Country. It's got lots of little hills around here. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. And now let's see who else we've got. Oh, I see... Uh, yeah, I'm going to open. Uh, Margaret Bars is with us, and she's uh, in a car on Interstate 10 and traveling eastbound, and she's going to be visiting over here in the St. Augustine, Jacksonville area. Uh, let's see if we can uh, get to, with Margaret. Hello, Margaret. Uh, how's your reception? Can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear. Hello, everyone. Okay. Was that Luann in the background screaming? Or just, uh, of course. She's always screaming, always up to something. You know? All right. All right. And uh, just where, uh, where on Interstate 10 are you? You getting closer to Jacksonville? Well, we are. Sorry, Captain Neal. Luann's going to take the phone. Um, hey, Captain Neal. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'll just give you an update. We've been past Tallahassee, Lake City, and now we're at, now hang on a minute, and I'll give you a mile marker, 272, and uh, we're barreling on down to Jacksonville. Now, Miss Leadfoot Margaret is a driving, and I'm surprised we haven't been pulled over by the Florida Highway Patrol. You know what they used to do on that show? I think it was called the Dukes of Hazard. And that's where we're from, if most of you remember, Hazard, Kentucky. Oh, no, slow down, Margaret. We got the fuzz coming up fast. Oh, for crying out loud, stop being dramatic, Luann. That's enough. Let Captain Neal get on with the show. Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 72, your Fiesta flight to Mexico and the ancient pyramids 
Now departing at gate 19. Attention please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, your holiday cruise to the emerald beauty of a Puerto Rican rainforest. Now ready for departure. Attention please. Eastern Airlines Flight 25, your vacation flight to cool Caribbean lagoons. Now ready for boarding. song 
uh, theme music, and guess where that music uh, was used? Anyone would like to venture? Let's see. I'm on oh, television. Microphones. Yeah. Well, no. It. Well, I guess it was on television, but it was also. Let's see. I got all the microphones now open, just about. So anybody can identify that song with a theme park here in Florida. Disney, Disney, Disney. That's right. Must All right. be Disney. Disney. Must be Disney World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tomorrowland. Tomorrow That's right. Who's the one that identified that? I'll I'll send you a gift. Commander Ron. Okay. Very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. Thanks a lot. Uh, thank you, Margaret and Luann, for showing up also. Appreciate you being on the show today. And I'm glad okay. that uh, Hazard County Sheriff, or better known as the Florida Highway Patrol, rather, with those glasses on, haven't uh, stopped you, and you're making good time heading this way. Now, I want to turn the uh, history of Eastern. We're going to start off by talking about Eastern, and then we've got some special guests that we'll be talking with uh, during the program. So let me see. Jim Holder, if you will start us off on the short history of Eastern Airlines. Go ahead, Jim. Well, uh, thanks, Neil, and hello, girls. Hey there, Captain Jim. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Now, we have a short history of Eastern Airlines, and then we're going to have special guests that are with us today that will tell us about a tragic part of Eastern history and with a very special request from the listeners. And we also have a guest who was a former Eastern employee from San Juan, Puerto Rico. He'll be talking about the Eastern Airlines' importance to Puerto Rico and the Caribbean. Now, Captain Harris, how about starting us off with some of those Eastern Harris history? Okay. Eastern Airlines is one of those carriers that most of us will have heard of, but not many have flown, especially if you're under 40 years old. We take a look to rise and fall of this once great U.S. carrier. The origin of Eastern Airlines can be traced back to the late 1920s when flying as Pitcairn Aviation, its life began as a simple airmail carrier. Harold Pitcairn in 1929 sold a fledgling airline to Mr. Clement Keyes, owner of North American Aviation, who changed its name to Eastern Air Transport. The Airmail Act of 1934 saw a change in the aviation landscape which led Eastern to split off from North American Aviation and to start trading as Eastern Airlines. Under the management of, of WW1Ace and race car driver Eddie Rickenbacker, the airline began to grow. Used a fleet of two Fokker FX and three Ford aircraft tri-motors with, William, with Curtis Condors and Kingbirds added later, its route network expanded massively. Over the next few years, it added connections to Atlanta, Miami, Boston, and Richmond. Kept at the time, yeah, at that time, the majority of big airlines in the U.S. were heavily focused on transcontinental flying. However, Eastern was different, homing instead on connecting the East Coast. Within a few years, the carrier has secured a number of routes spanning from New York in the north to Miami in the south. Their near monopoly of inter-east coast services attracted high demand from passengers looking for vacation in the Florida area. 
adopting the tagline, number one to the sun, Easton enjoyed rapid growth throughout the 30s. In 1933, Rickenbacker, along with his business partners, bought the airline from General Motors. A year later, Easton was the fourth largest airline in the U.S. by passenger numbers. Easton played its part in World War II, providing military air transport services between Florida, Pennsylvania, and Texas. And when the war ended, Eastern Airlines emerged stronger than ever, ready to continue building its empire. It was the most profitable airline in post-war times and never, ever required government subsidies. So, Eastern built a great silver fleet of DC-3s and DC-4s after the war. However, the man who made Eastern what it was was Eddie Rickenbacker. He was becoming a thorn in the side of the sessional carrier. Unwilling to invest in expensive jet aircraft, he was eventually ousted and replaced by Malcolm McIntyre as CEO. This was in 1959. He stayed on as chairman of the board until 1963, when he eventually left the airline completely after a quarter of a century of service. That's the same year the board of directors brought in Captain Floyd D. Hall, and he was a former TWA captain to run the airline. The 50s and 60s saw some key moments in Eastern's history. It brought in Colonial Airlines, giving it the ability to start routes into Canada. It also began service to Mexico City and opened its own tournament at New York's Idlewild Airport, later named John F. Kennedy Airport. Jim? Eastern Airlines was not to be left behind in the race to become a jet engine operator. In 1960, it acquired the first of 16 DCH-21s it would fly. And in 1961, it began operating flights with a Boeing 720. In 1964, saw Eastern become the lost customer for the Boeing 727-100, of which it went on to operate a fleet of 75. Through the 60s and 70s, Eastern's fleets and routes expanded massively. It was a lost launch customer for numerous other game-changing aircraft, including the Lockheed 1011 TriStar, and was the first U.S. airline to operate the Airbus A300. It became the official airline of Walt Disney World when it opened in 1971 and remained so for almost 20 years. The late 70s had been hard on Eastern as competition on Delta as its new hub in Atlanta, Sparked a price war and ate into the profits. Captain Holder. Thank you. Deregulation in 78 only added its woes as more carriers came with lower fares to encroach on its territory. The airline struggled on, becoming the launch customer for the Boeing 757, an aircraft which the then president, Frank Borman, hoped would turn its fortunes around. However, the low prices of oil made the savings from this new aircraft almost negligible, and the debt accrued from this airplane and the purchase of the Airbus A300 weighed heavily on the airline's balance sheet. At one point, it was paying out more than $700,000 a day. That is unbelievable in interest before any flights had even taken off. At the breaking point, Mormon eventually sold the airline to Texas Air in 1986. Texas Air was under the leadership of Frank Lorenzo, who had also recently bought Continental Airlines, too. However, shortly after the sale, the FAA hit Eastern with the biggest fine in aviation history, 
And that's until 2010 when American Airlines was fined, fined $24.2 million for something, charging the carrier $9.5 million for violations. Jim? Kept with more money going out than coming in, Eastern was forced to scale back. Employees were laid off, and those who stayed had to face steep pay cuts and benefits. Labor disputes were rife, leading to costly flight cancellations, which lost the airline billions in revenues. Eastern Airlines shuttle was sold off, eventually become the Trump shuttle. Other parts were sold off to Texas Airlines and Continental Airlines until finally the airlines filed for bankruptcy in 1989. The final flight of Eastern Airlines took place on Saturday, 19 January 1991. At its peak, it had clocked up more than 33,000 passenger miles a year. In 1989, it achieved just 11,000. You might think that this is the end of Eastern's airline story, but there's a twist in the tale. In 2011, a group bought the trademarks and intellectual property rights of the front carrier, and in 2014 filed in an application against service in the U.S., it began using Boeing 737s to provide wet lease services out of Miami International in late 2014 until using a traditional hockey stick livery. It operated charter flights between Miami and destination United States, Caribbean, and Latin America. In 2017, Swift Air acquired the Boeing 737-800 assets of Eastern Airlines, stating Eastern Airlines, stating Eastern Airlines name, assets, associated trademarks will be retained within the transaction. So, if you've seen an Eastern Air, seen Eastern at airport recently, you're not necessarily going mad. And that's a short version of once proud historic great airlines, Eastern Airlines. Uh, Captain Holder. I'm just going to uh, forego the comments about uh, the last week's show because we have some special guests with us today. But I am going to add the comments that we've received because of one of our guests' uh, request uh, to be on the show today. And uh, it's about concerning Eastern Airlines Flight 401 and the memorial that's uh, being uh, uh, is is going to be dedicated here, hopefully in December. But uh, I'd like to give a few of these comments. One was from Barbara Rodriguez, and she said, I shared this on a private group for the Eastern folks in Boston and encouraged others to share. And my comment back to her was to thank you, Barbara. It's time for public awareness for this tragic aviation disaster with an appropriate memorial. And Barbara replied, I was flying only six months with Eastern on that fateful evening. I encouraged our, I encourage all of our Eastern family to spread this information uh, we're about to, sh uh, to, to tell you about on the show. Sandy Pearl, who's with us today also, I shared a comment, and she said that she shared it with the Silverliners International. And Carol Fenzel, uh, she says that I'm going to try to send your post to the ex-employees of Braniff International Airlines. And Yodice Frankie, I had the flight attendant Beverly from Eastern Flight 401 on my flight from Miami to Newark when the memorial was first erected. 
uh, she slipped and injured her ankle during the ceremony. I was so fortunate to have her on my flight, and we talked the entire time. Those were just a few comments that I wanted to share with you, Beverly and Ron, uh, our guest today. Uh, we have uh, Miss Beverly Raposa and also Mr. Ron uh, Infantino. I hope I pronounced both names correctly. I have a hard time doing that when it uh, is not S-M-I-T-H or J-O-N-E-S. I have no problems there. Beverly grew up outside of Newark, Rhode Island, and applied to TWA, but she was a half inch too short. She was hired by Eastern as they needed Spanish speaker, speakers for their growing San Juan flights and graduated in March of 1969. She said that she loved it. After the crash, she flew briefly, then left Eastern and later worked at a large travel agency in Fort Lauderdale. She spent 13 years taking groups on tours all over the world, then worked for Generations Gold in West Palm Beach for 28 years. As the VP or Vice President, she, she, she was in charge of training clients across the country and traveled extensively. She finally retired in January 2021 to help her sister in her fight against bone marrow cancer. She is looking forward to keeping her promise to the 101 passengers and fellow crew who perished on Flight 401 that she would not give up until they were remembered on a memorial, gone but not forgotten. Now, Ron Infantino, Ron and his bride, Lily, were returning home from their honeymoon that night. Sadly, Lily did not survive the crash. She was formerly in the Air Force, and uh, he was formerly in the Air Force and applied to Eastern for a job. And he received a letter in the hospital asking him to come in for an interview. They did not realize he was on Flight 401. After an almost two-year recovery from his crash injuries, he went into real estate and property management until the market crashed. Then in 1978, he went to work for Aflac. I guess that's the duck company, AFLAC, in management positions. He was the district coordinator, recruited and trained new employees, and also did sales. He was very successful. He is now semi-retired and just moved from Miami up to the Villages, Florida, and he's looking forward to getting his life back to normal after fighting esophageal cancer with strong chemo and radiation. Beverly and Ron, I'd like to first read a posting the radio show did this past week and turn the show over to you and Ron for your comments and your thoughts. Uh, our posting was like this. It said, in the nearly 12 years of radio broadcasting, has the Eastern Airlines radio show and the airline radio show made a request for donations of any kind? However, this request is one that we happily endorse and ask for your help for this great cause. I will let this letter addressed to the radio show explain and ask you for your consideration. Details are at the end of the letter as to how to go about making a donation. And thank you for your help. The letter from Beverly reads, Hi, Neil. There is just a small core group of us 
two flight attendant survivors and one passenger survivor who have persisted in placing a memorial to the 101 souls that perished December 29, 1972 in the crash of EAL-401. They are myself, Mercy Ruiz, flight attendant, and Ron Infantino, a passenger. We lost our beloved Patricia McQuig, a flight attendant, two years ago to cancer. We have a few support people. The goal now is to dedicate a memorial on the 50th anniversary of the crash, December 29, 2022. The memorial will be located on grassy median strip of Curtis Parkway, graciously given us by the city of Miami Springs. Many of the flight attendants, known as stewardesses at that time, lived in the villas adjacent to the Curtis Mansion while we attended training. Why? to especially remember those who did not survive that night. Their lives were lost in vain. Many safety features, safety features came out of the crash, such as uh, CRM. The crash was one of three that contributed to it, and uh, also a large flashlight. That's cockpit re resource management, by the way, CRM, and also a large flashlight next to the flight attendant's seat. That was something we all said we wish we had that night when we started working on this many years ago. I made a promise that I would never give up until these souls were remembered. A much larger memorial was designed, but we were unable to raise that amount of money. I remembered what Patty said to, the, to me months before she died. Let's take the money we do have and put up whatever we can before we are all dead. But our lives got in the way, and my sister began a bone marrow uh, cancer three years ago, and I've been, I've been there for her, and Ron battled esophageal cancer last year, but several months ago, a friend of mine who is a senior flight attendant with Spirit called me and said he knew how important the memorial was to me, and this being the 50th year, he wanted to help make it, rea it a reality, and so we began in earnest again. The National Air, Trans uh, Air Disaster Foundation has been accepting donations and holding them in trust for the memorial. The cost of the memorial is $8,705. We have, uh, they have $8,300 now in donations, so we are $405 short for the memorial. But we also have to pay for the installation, which is 3500 and we have to have concrete slab, a concrete slab in place for the memorial to sit on. We know we'll have raised, we will have to raise at least 1500 more than that. So we have to raise about $5,405. We are so close to having a memorial and dedicating it on the 50th anniversary. I have to go to before the Miami Springs City Council on June 27th because the memorial we are going to place is smaller than the one originally planned. Once I have that approved, I can give the approval to the monument company and then to the NADF Foundation will send the 50% of the memorial cost. This must be done by mid-July in order to have the memorial in Miami Springs and in place for the dedication. We would be so appreciative of any tax-free donations.
to help us reach this goal. Here is the donation information. Donations may be made by check payable to the National Air Disaster Foundation. Please make a notation on the check that it was it's for Eastern 401 Memorial. Or you can send a check to the National Air Disaster Foundation at 2020 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, a number 315, that's Washington, D.C., 20006. And you can pay by credit card. Please go to their website, which is www.plainsafe. That's a simple one. www.plainsafe.org and click on donation. Please make sure that and, and make a, a notation that it is for the Eastern 401 Memorial. The executive director of NADF is Gail Dunham, and she asks that you also send her an email for both check and credit card donations with your name so they can send you a thank you letter acknowledging your tax deductible donation. This is for both corporate and personal donations. And you may also call NADF, NADF, the foundation, at 888, and I will give you the phone numbers later if you have any questions. And she says, she closes out by saying, thank you so much, Neil, for your support to this ever so special cause. I look forward to being on the show with you Saturday. And here she is with Ron with us on our show today. So uh, this will be uh, on the Facebook that we will give these numbers again, the telephone numbers, the addresses, the names, and how to do it, go about doing this. But we've had a very good uh, response to it so far. And now I'm going to turn it over to Beverly. And Beverly, uh, I hate to take up most of the time, but I wanted to get that information in your letter uh, to the folks that are listening. Uh, let's see, I'm going to have to open up your microphone because you said that you had closed your microphone, but now it is open, so hello, Beverly. Hi, Captain Neil. Can you hear me okay? I got you five by five. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much for having Ron and myself on this today. It, it is such a very special cause and, and very dear to my heart, and I, I wanted to go over with the listeners and, and tell them some of the facts of this because it's been a while. You know, it was it was very difficult to get to this point. Uh, it's been many years in the making. We started this after the 35th anniversary, actually, when a Miami Herald um, reporter, Louisiana, said, why don't you guys get together and try to, uh, you know, come up with a memorial? And, you know, we did, but, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing. And it took a while. There were many disappointments along the way, many times that we thought we had a home for the memorial, uh, the difficulties in raising it, uh, the money for that large memorial. But you know what? We never gave up. We never gave up. And for me, it's something that I wanted for so long. And now I'm feeling blessed that it's coming to fruition. And I know Ron and Mercy share that same feeling too. And I know Patty up there in heaven is looking down because she was so important to this. Um, personally, I'm so grateful to my dear friend, uh, Senior Flight Attendant for Spirit Airlines, Shannon DeWitt, you know, for helping to make this a reality. You know, he called me several months ago. And he said, Bev, I know how important this memorial is to you. 
And this being the 50th year, I want to help you to make it a reality. And I'm like, all right. So he did a lot of the research into the different monument companies, and we began working with PG Memorial. And uh, that is a company that's taking it from point one to all the way to the end. So kind of a, a little description of the memorial. And, you know, um, Neil, I will send you a picture this coming week of the um, updated rendition of the memorial as I had to make a change on it in the wording. And uh, we did have a plane up, but we had to remove that. So it's created by PG Memorials, uh, which is picture this on granite. If any of you want to look and see some of the beautiful things that they've done, you can go to their website, which is www.picturethisongranite.com. The memorial itself is gray granite with a black granite face on the slanted top with the names of the 101 souls that perished. And it reads, Eastern Airlines, EA-401, December 29, 1972. Flight from New York slash JFK to Miami, MIA. In loving memory and to honor the 100 souls that perished and the 75 survivors. It stands about four feet high with the base, and it's about three and a half feet across. And as you said, um, and I mentioned in my letter, it's going to be located in Miami Springs on Curtis Parkway, very close to the Miami Springs Country Club and the Curtis Mansion. And, you know, um, years ago when the Miami Springs Council, when we originally approached them and they gave us the approval, oh, my gosh, that was quite a night. And I'd like to Ron, to, I know, Ron, you remember how excited we were that night and what you and I were out on the sidewalk and looking up to all of our folks up there. Um, I'd like you to tell um, everyone, you know, your feelings, what you felt that night that we received that approval and finally had a home for the memorial. Ron? Yes, I will, Beverly. I'll be happy to. Excuse my voice, everyone, um, but uh, I'll do the best I can. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a long time coming, you know, and I remember uh, so vividly, you know, almost 50 years ago at the Lily gravesite promising her that one day um, we're going to have a memorial. I don't know when, but one day. And um, thank God I think it's coming to fruition. And uh, we're so excited that uh, the city of Miami Springs has given us a beautiful piece of property we couldn't have asked for a better piece of property, to be honest with you. If you're ever familiar with Miami, it's right over the 36th Street, uh, where all the training centers are at also. you got Airbus there. you got uh, Pan Am Flight Academy. you have Boeing. And so uh, a lot of the uh, flight simulators are there. A lot of training goes on, too. So this is really appropriate. As you turn into Miami Springs, um, the memorial will be over there, and people will be able to see it and meditate, and um, we're just blessed to have something like that happen to us. So um, we're mm-hmm. excited about it. Mm-hmm. And Ron and I, well, when we came out of the hearing, you know, we were out on the sidewalk, and, uh, you know, we looked up, and we said, we did it. We did it. You will never be forgotten. We are going to make this happen, okay? And, and, you know, the importance of the memorial is that, you know, um, it, it's so important to family members and especially and friends of those 101 passengers and crews. I have spoken to some of the family members, one of them that lost his sister in this crash, and it's so important. And it's, 
it's giving them a place if they wish to go and remember their loved ones. Certainly they can't go out to the crash site, you know, in the Everglades. And I think it's really going to help them with being a very respectful remembrance dedicated 50 years later. And it will allow closure for some people. And, Ron, I know, you know, that you and Lily had only been married 20 days. And as you said, you made that promise to Lily that she would never be forgotten. And so I know it's very important to you, right? Well, I'll be honest with you and everybody out there. There's not a day that doesn't go by. I'm sure Beverly, you and you can attest to this, that we don't think about it. It crosses our mind. Every time we look up and see an airplane, it, it's there. It's always going to be there. And that's just part of life. You know, we can't change things that's happened, but we can make things perhaps better. And that's what we're looking forward to is, is um, you know, there's so many people that I've met. They all have their own plane crashes in life, you know. And it's how you handle it and what happens afterwards that counts the most, you know, because we're all going to have times of trouble in our lives. It's what you make of it, you know. You could wallow in it, have pity, whatever, but, you know, you've got to get over it and move on with your life and make things better for you and for other people around you. Mm-hmm. Well said. And, and so this is going to give many members, family members like Ron that, and, you know, the donations that I know Neil read the letter and that I placed in there, you know, the donations um, are being taken by the National Air Disaster Foundation for many years. Gail Dunham, who's the executive director, you know, she asked that each donation, whether by check or credit card, have the notation on it, Eastern 401 Memorial, because yeah. the donations are earmarked for the memorial, 100% goes into that escrow account for the memorial. Nothing right. is held for the foundation. So 100% of your tax um, deductible uh, donation is going to go to them. And you will receive a letter acknowledging that tax deductible uh, donation. So for us, we are so hopeful that we can raise that $5,405 still needed for the installation of the memorial and the placement of that concrete slab. And I have to say, we, we, we truly, Ron, Mercy, myself, we are so grateful for the support and love that we have been shown, especially this past week, Neil. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the response has been just tremendous. You know, yep. um, I have been working on this myself with Shannon really hard the last two and a half months. I can't do it without all of you and your support because Ron and Mercy and myself, we are so close to making this a reality, but we need you and we so appreciate you. So thank you so very much. Mercy will actually be writing an article on the memorial for the Silver Liner uh, Fall Magazine. And, and I hope that she and I can be on a show maybe Neil, sometime in August, maybe to give you an update on the progress of the memorial. So we will have the dedication on December 29th of yes. the Eastern Airline 401 Memorial. Yes. It is yes. going to happen. And I hope, Ron and I and Mercy all hope that some of you listening will be able to join us. 
you know, please feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is at the bottom of the letter I sent that Neil sent out to everyone. But I am so, so very excited, as is Ron and Mercy. So, Neil, and I, I know, thank uh, you. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've got another person here that's rooting for you as well. Uh, Sandy, I think you're online with us. Are you with us, Sandy yes, Pearl? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know how important the memorial is. Tell us, Sandy, about the memorial and your thoughts about it. Well, you know, I, I think that memorial brings many things to people's minds, and we're pretty much conditioned through the war, our, our national representatives and legislators and events that have occurred. And um, it's very important that people understand that a memorial is a preservation of memory. It preserves mm-hmm. the memory of something, anything that serves to keep in memory. A monument is a memorial of a deceased person or an event. And these are so important to be able to educate our younger generations to carry it on, and it's not mm-hmm. when a child may ask you about it, but know that they will. And it is so important that we continue to represent the legacies and lives of people. And I am very, very humbled to say that my memorial of Southern Flight 242 came to fruition this past Easter Sunday, April 4th on the 45th anniversary of the crash, 1977, and it happened this year of 22. And to say what the, the, the people that have initiated this, supported it, and continue to do blood, sweat, tear, and sacrifice to have this built, to honor and remember never to be forgotten, the souls that passed and the people that have had to learn to cope and live with it. I am so honored to be on board with y'all and can tell you I made my personal donation. And it is with such pride that I hope and pray I can be there beside you. I will tell you, going to the memorial as it is built, has brought peace to me. I don't know that the word would be closure, but I can say that it has brought such a great sense of peace because of what we hold in our minds as survivors that I no longer walk the path of that airplane crash. This was the first year, the last year that I walked it, when the memorial was recognized and built. And I'm telling you, to see that monument with all those names and to know that you've met their children, their spouses, and grandchildren, and great-grandchildren now. There were 72 killed, nine on the ground, and 22 survivors. And like Beverly and Ron said, is that there's so few left to carry it on. But this yeah. is something that is so important in the industry and the legacy of all that are involved. And congratulations to you. God's 
feed and may your heart find peace to see it all together as one now and not fragmented from what we went through. But God speed to you. I'm just so humbled and so excited to see this come to fruition for all of the people involved, the airline industry, and everything that makes it come together. And I thank you. I feel very privileged to even have a voice in this. Oh, my gosh. Sandy, thank you so very much. Thank you, Thank you. That brings me to tears. Yes, and Ron and I both, right? Oh, my gosh. And what you said is so true. And, Ron, I know you feel it, too, that there will be peace for us on December 29th of this year as it's dedicated, and, and, like you and said. Beverly and remember, and Ron, so, uh, Beverly and Ron, I, th- I, think, uh, I think the memorial, once it's uh, built and, and it's there, You'll find that a lot of Eastern people will go there just to recall that. And so many people worked uh, out in the Everglades. A friend of mine, my best friend from high school, a mechanic with Eastern, was one of the first arrivals out there to the Everglades. But that memorial will be a tremendous uh, focal point for Eastern Airlines forever. Uh, We have our own memorial, the Pilots Association, and and uh, Jim Holder could tell us a little bit about that because we have one in the Atlanta terminal. And I guess oh. it would be called in a memorial. A lot of folks that mm-hmm. uh, they go through the terminal. And, uh, Jim, I'm going to ask you to tell us where it's located and what it, the memorial is all about, Jim Holder. Well, it is in the north terminal, the Atlanta airport, the domestic side. Uh, it's about opposite uh, the North Gate Number Five, North Door Number Five. It it replaced the original that, uh, memorial that was started in Miami many years ago, where they listed the people who died. And it got so big that they had to move it to Atlanta. And then we started didn't have people being hired on, and the ones that were still here as Eastern started its decline. We decided that we would just put the names of every pilot that flew from East for Eastern going all the way back to the 20s or the 30s or whatever. It took about uh, uh, another guy and I, another pilot and I, it took us about seven or eight years to get all the names, and we had uh, something like 16,000 names of pilots. We knew there were too many. And uh, so we had to cull it down, and we got it down to about 6,600, and we put it up. It was cast in bronze. We raised something like $45,000, and that uh, was more than enough that we needed. It it ended up costing about $25,000. But it's there. It's up on the wall, and we have some pictures of uh, photographs of airplanes around it. It's there forever, if we understand it. And uh, the the airport has no... no, uh, plans to remove it or anything so you can go through and see alphabetical uh your family member or friend or whoever and see them and you you can go or google it and uh, i can't tell you exactly how to do it but once you google it uh you can zero in and read the name on it as if you're standing right in front of it Is your monument also going to list the survivors? It's going to list all of the Eastern pilots. All of the Eastern pilots. Are you talking about the pilot memorial? 
No, no, the, she's the talking Eastern. about the Eastern. The one, yeah. the one, the one that we're doing. Well, no, it, have the oh, oh, okay, excuse me. It will just have the 100 and na- 101 names of the uh, souls that perish on it. Wow. Well, the, the number is, is just so uh, extraordinarily large that I can comprehend the reasoning behind that. But yeah, I will tell yeah. you, it was very profound with the monument to go and see your own name on it and what mm-hmm. Ron will cherish and experience personally as he goes and sees Lily's name on it, that forever, yeah. ever, she will be honored and remembered. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was Ron saying, yes, it's so important. It will mean so much to him and bring him the peace he needs, too. Do we have any how many years ago. So. Mm-hmm. Do we have any questions from our host, our guest host? And I've got a couple of uh, I've got a couple of numbers here. Let's see, area code five one nine. Who might that be at area code five one nine? That's Renee McKinnon from uh, London, Ontario. Hello, Renee. Good to hear you. Enjoying the show very, very much, and uh, I'll be supporting the program Thank later you. on. But uh, keep, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the uh, copy that, can, can I have a word? Can I have a word? Sure. Yes. Over here? Yes. Go ahead. Jose. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I think it's very important that we have to acknowledge one thing that these remarkable people who's making this uh, memorial is doing it so far. If, if you see the essence that these people, what they show over here in, in, in this program they are showing to me is the love and the essence of what Eastern Airlines was all about. They were more like just co-workers. They were like family. In other words, there have been many air disasters around the history of the aviation. There's been worldwide news and everything, but none of those has been more significant and more caring to keep the spirit of those of those who passed away that that fateful day on on the Everglades, that the people of Eastern making all these, even though 50 years after, and they try to keep the spirit and uh, 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 of those who pass away, and make the families and descendants to never be forgotten. That is something that no other airline, uh, at least from from my from my view, has ever done before, and that's something that. A lot of people and everybody that can listen to us right now has to take it under consideration, and it will be remarkable and appreciated all the donation they can get because they really deserve it. Thank you, Jose. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've got an you area caller from 305 that just popped up on my uh, producer's board, area code 305. Hey, Who's this? It's Mark Porter. Hey, Mark Porter, how are you? Good. I, I biked uh, 18 miles today, so I came back and passed out, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Passed out. Well, you know our show today, Mark, is uh, pretty much about uh, 401 and uh, raising the mm-hmm. funds necessary to put a beautiful memorial uh, there in Miami Springs, which I didn't mm-hmm. live too far away from, I believe, where the memorial 
the first home I owned was right out there on Manola Drive, right down the street from the Travers oh. Motel off of 36th Street. Everybody oh, knows yeah. that landmark, the right. Travers Motel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where my kids are. <laughs> okay. All right. But uh, uh, thanks, Mark. And uh, I hope you can come back with us uh, when we come back on our other shows and tell us, uh, update uh, us about the new Eastern Airlines. But right now we want to spend the last few minutes that we have of the show talking to Beverly and Ron about the memorial. Any other words that you want to talk about, Beverly and Ron, please, our host, if you'd like to ask them a question, please do so. Well, I I just I mean I just I'm so overwhelmed. I I, I mean I I just I, I can't thank you all enough for your support, Neil, and you know for letting Ron and I be with us to be with you today. I mean, you know, for me, Eastern, yes. it was like Jose said, it was a family. It really was a family. And if you ever read my story, I said those were my people. I felt that even for our passengers and crew. So I know it's been a long time, and like Sandy said, yes, 45 years even for her, for her memorial. So I just, I just want to thank everybody. I, I don't have a particular question uh, right now, but Ron, do you have any questions for our hosts or no? Anyone? But thank you, yeah, you know, thanks again for for, for mentioning us and uh, keep our, our hopes and our dreams alive. It's very important to us and the. Uh, family members as well, you know, they keep calling and, and wanting updates on what's happening, and uh, we're, we're just so excited to get this thing finally off the ground, and um, we're looking forward to the 50th year uh, and having a great celebration out there at the Miami Springs, and I know the media is going to be out there as well. Great, and I think we'll have a large crowd out there because my wife and I plan to come down to it. And, oh, great. Um, yeah. Wonderful. So, so, therefore, I know it's going to happen. We want to go back down to South Florida. I grew up in Miami area. <laughs> and you're right, Neil, that most Miami Springs was home to many airline airline folks there. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it's, I mean, it still is, but, you know, we, we lived there while we were training. You know, we lived at yeah. the village. So, you're right, Miami Springs, we, we, were, we loved it when they gave us that, that home. Oh yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, Neil. As a matter of fact, um, the NTSB hearings were right held there in Miami Springs Village. Um, okay. I remember going to a couple of them. I'm still in a wheelchair, and I remember um, going to a couple of their um, hearings. They had it for about five days, I believe. Uh, the NTSB mm-hmm. was there. Yes. Uh, this you, you may not have this right in front of you, but probably you have it in your mind. But. Um, uh, Beverly, could you give us the names of the flight attendants that lost their lives on Flight 401? Um, it was Stephanie Stanich, um, who was uh, sitting across from me in L4, and Patricia Geisels, who was sitting in L3. Because as you know, we went in, um, we, we hit left side first. Um, so we lost them and and Sandy, I know like you i you know too, the survivor guilt was very hard to deal with. I always felt I should have been able to 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 find Stephanie, but I would not have been able to, but yes, so we lost two of the flight attendants, and then 
of course, the the entire front end crew. And they were Bob Loft, Captain Bob Loft, and uh, Bert Stockstill. Yep. I knew Bart, I knew yep. Bert, and also mm-hmm. Don Repo. Don Repo, and, and uh, there was another pilot there also, I believe. And, and if any of the listeners want to know the more, if they just Google um, Google Eastern Flight 401, and you'll see the original yeah. site done website done by Peter Weingott out of New York, who wasn't with us, but he used to fly that. Um, he was on that flight many, many times coming down to see his grandparents down here from New York. So you can just Google it, and you'll see quite a bit there. Okay. You know, stressing the urgency of this to be completed, I just want to say that it was just one other flight attendant and myself. My cockpit crew was killed, and Kathy flew for 45 years and retired and was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and passed right before the memorial, the year before the memorial was finalized. So it was very hard for me and many Uh. others to see this come to fruition without her as our numbers are getting smaller, but we know we are looked upon by all of them. Yeah. Jim Holder, Uh, you had a comment? Yes, I want to clear this up in my mind. It's on page nine, it starts out high kneel. There's a, just a small group of us, and it goes all the way down to talking about sending the check to, and at the very bottom, it says, thank you for so much. Uh, looking forward to you, Beverly Barbosa. What I, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy and paste that and send it on my EL info list. It'll go out to about uh, 200 names. Mm-hmm. Of pilots and these other Eastern people. Oh, thank you. Can I make a donation? Too. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And All if right. you and need to put my my information, it's at the bottom of the original letter. Um, you're most welcome uh, to put my email address and phone number on it too. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, do I have your email address here somewhere? I get confused very easily at eighty-five, so I guess you got to help me out. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll give it to you. I've got her address. Okay. So I'll, I'll okay. It good. To you. All right. Yeah. Well, it'll go out. To Thank you. This afternoon, and, I guess. And by the way, uh, the Repa website is repaonline.com. Repa R E P A or Retired Eastern Pilots Association. RepaOnline.com, and you'll see. I think you can see the uh, Atlanta Memorial for all the pilots there, right, Jim? Uh-huh. Or, okay. On that mm-hmm. website. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Yeah. North Turtle. Yeah. So visit that RepaOnline.com, and thanks, Jim, for getting it out to the uh, remaining pilots of Eastern that you have the uh, mail list for. And um, we appreciate it. So, uh, Beverly and Ron, uh, y- your dream is going to come come true, and we'll see you in Miami December 29th. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. God bless. Congratulations. God bless. Thank you. Now, Goodbye. I have... Any other questions before I ask uh, Jose, who's been standing by? Uh, let's see. I've uh, got Mark. Uh, who's, I think I've talked to just about everybody here. Uh, 
Jose is was not a former Eastern pilot or, or Eastern uh, employee in San Juan. Uh, tell us what you do, uh, Jose Garcia, uh, for uh, spotting planes and so forth. Well, um, back in my homeland, in, uh, I live right now in Tucson, Arizona, but back, back in my homeland in San Juan, I used to be what we call a spotter. A spotter is an is a, is a enthusiastic uh, aviation fan who likes to take pictures, video, share, or buy scale models and everything, and always keep watching the traffic that comes because eventually something unexpected might arrive, and you never know. And that, happened, that was happening a lot in Puerto Rico. During the, the during the, the East Trump era and also the '90s era, which were the biggest prime back then. Uh, but also, uh, I'm also a historian. Uh, I, I, I always kept data about the events that happened uh, in San Juan during the '70s. Even though I didn't live the old '70s because I was born in '72. But uh, but from the 1970 all the way through here, I keep that. Uh, I was uh, doing researches and everything. And when it comes to Eastern Airlines, um, I would have to say that Eastern Airlines entered to the Caribbean in 1970 using Puerto Rico as the main base. And why the main base? Because according to what I found, Eastern Airlines found geograph uh, a very important geographically position uh, in the island uh, to have it as a hub because not only Puerto Rico would, uh, would be uh, geographically was a very centered but because that will help also the airline to have the connections from the island not only the connections from the small islands that the big jets couldn't go but also the people of Puerto Rico who also like to travel around and also it helped also Puerto Rico was San Juan the main Caribbean cruise stop. Okay, in other words, all the cruise ships that goes around the Caribbean stop in Puerto Rico to empty, reload, and go go further for another week uh, for Caribbean uh, vacations on cruise vacations. That's that's how important Puerto Rico was during the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And Eastern Airlines came to Puerto Rico in 1970s. Back over there, the aircraft, they, they start to work with the DC-6, the 787, and 720. However, I could, uh, and, and also the DC-8. However, I couldn't find the information about the routes that those aircraft were taking because uh, I didn't have any availability on that. However, um, I do have found the routes that the other aircraft, for example, the L-1011, 727, 757, the A-300, Ha, uh, usually has, for example, the L-1011 were traveling almost in daily basis between Miami, JFK, and Chicago. We have the 727 who has flights from Newark, Boston, Tampa, and Fort Lauderdale. We have also the 757 who was going to Washington, Dallas, Philadelphia, and also backing up another flight to Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, and Chicago too. So the 757 was a pretty, pretty medium-range BC aircraft in Puerto Rico. And then we have the Airbus 300, who also back up the L-1011 between Miami, New York, JFK, Orlando, and Boston. Then we also have, Eastern also has the system Metro Express with small regional jets that go through the islands of St. Thomas, St. Croix, St. John, Tortola, 
Sankis, Guadalupe, Martinica, Barbados, Curacao, and Trinidad and Tobago. And then, what's, uh, when it comes to the contribution that Eastern Airlines make to the community over here in Puerto Rico, well, Eastern Airlines uh, not only became one of the sponsors of major, major events like the seasonal baseball events and the local Puerto Rico basketball uh, uh, season, which many of the local superstars uh, were drafted to the NBA. Eastern also was a sponsor of international events that influenced on the impact in Puerto Rico. For example, the Miss Universe pageant, which uh, the first two were sponsored by Eastern, and two of the two of the five Miss uh, Universe that were chosen from uh, that, that were from Puerto Rico were in 1970, well, which is which her name was Marisol Malaret, which she arrived in a brand new L1011 back then, and then in 1985, the second Miss Universe, Deborah Carthy, which arrived from Miami, both in an Airbus 300. Then Eastern also make a contribution in case of disasters. On December 31st, 1986, um, New Year's Eve, 1987, um, um, as, a, as the world re- re- remember, uh, a dark event in the history of Puerto Rico happened when the Dupont Plaza Hotel was caught in fire. Dozens of deaths due to a management union dispute. Eastern Airlines offer without charging uh, extra and everything to the, the trip to the survivors and the families to go back to their to their to their homes after that tragic event. Eastern also was sponsored to many local TV programming and everything. So in other words, Eastern was make a huge impact in the community of Puerto Rico. Now the big question. There's another question over here how Eastern influence in the people of Puerto Rico. Well, let me go a little further. I don't want to take too much of your time. Even though Miami has more flights out of San Juan due to the business connections and cruises, Orlando became more attractive to Puerto Ricans. And why? Because not only Eastern was the official airline for Disney World, but when it comes to Puerto Ricans, Puerto Ricans are like, when, when they come to go to vacation, they like to go even with friends or family. They like to go in packs. So they mm-hmm. saw Orlando, but also Seaworth and Wet and Wild back there, more attractive than Miami. So eventually, Eastern made an increasing flights to Orlando. And that impact, that, that influence or that impact that Eastern made in Puerto Rican is still up up, up, up up today, I'm sorry. Because right now, if you notice, the, the, according to the census, Puerto Ricans are the, are, are the biggest majority in the Orlando area and surrounding areas in the state of Florida, while in the south, is, uh, the Miami area, is more, more, the majority is of, uh, of Cuban people. Not only in Orlando, but also Eastern make an impact of Puerto, well, on Puerto Ricans in New York. And Puerto Ricans are one, if not one of the biggest majorities of the Latino community in New York, too. So that's how the, the, the impact Eastern made, because 
according to the propaganda, the TV ads, and everything, Eastern made the Puerto Ricans look those destinations very attractive, not only to visit as a vacation, but also to invest, to move people over, to purchase house and everything. So on, on, on that matter, that's how that's how the impact Eastern has in Puerto Rico. As as well many on on July nineteen eighty seven, to be more specific on July nineteen eighty seven, in the main hub of San Juan, San Juan has like eight or nine gates in the eastern one from the terminal D with eight or nine gates uh to to their control along with Eastern Metro Express on the main gate on, of the airport, Donor West side by side. However, uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, our, first, uh, our Facebook page. I, put, I downloaded one of the pictures over there uh, with, uh, with uh, an L1011 in the terminal D and the Metro Express on the side. Uh, I had it over there. I downloaded yeah. it over there so, so you can see the, the impact. Over there, but in 1987, to be more specifically, on July 24th, Eastern announced an expansion to the Hobbit San Juan with an investment of $36 million, which would be saying almost $100 million today, plus uh, aid from the local Puerto Rico government to help build the brand new back then Terminal B, which begins on August 11 from 8 to 12 gate facilities. Back then, the the first terminal. Oh. Uh, the, back then, the terminal B. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Jose, yeah, we're running out of time right now, but uh, uh, the yeah. influence and impact Eastern made in San Juan and Puerto Rico and all through the Caribbean is uh, probably uh, uh, nowhere. Remarkable, I have to say. Yeah, I, I, words can't come to my mind right now, but uh, what a dominance mm-hmm. that we played, and and I'm glad you brought uh, a lot of that. Some of the things I didn't know about Miss Universe being sponsored by Eastern for a couple mm-hmm. of years there, and and uh, but I sure appreciate it, and we want to have you back on the show. Uh, that, when we come back, uh, I want to take this time right now to thank Beverly, Ron, you, Jose, for being with us today, and Margaret and Luann are still with us. And uh, are you you still there, Margaret and Luann? Yes, I am. Okay. And Jim Harris? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. It, it's great to hear uh, our great airline, and we saved it, the best for last <laughs> is what I, uh, the five that we have done in the last five weeks, Eastern Airlines, this is the last one we'll do because we'll be off the air now until about July. July 18th, I believe, will be our next show. So we'll be off about four weeks for the summer and uh, come back. And uh, hopefully uh, we can have Beverly, you and Ron come back and tell us how, how goes it and, uh, and uh, where we are. Okay? Uh, we sure will. Yeah. And we'll have mercy with us, too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. I'm going to let Captain Harris uh, get us out of here, so I'm turning it over to you, Captain Harris. Thank you so much, Jose, for the words. Anytime, of, I might be saying hello to every other participant. Thank you. Uh, Captain Harris, it's all yours to take us out of here. 
Well, let's take us out of here. It's always a great show, Neil. Thank you for doing what you do. Uh, I'm, I'm not capable of doing what you do, so you do a wonderful job. Oh, and all I know is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do a wonderful job, and we all appreciate it. And, yeah, uh, yeah let's send us on out of here. I can't list the silver wings because I'll be coming <laughs> at all. So I'm going to sing it probably till the middle of July. <laughs> well, I'm going to read your part then. I'll close it out. Well, that's our show for today, and we're taking the next four weeks off, as I just mentioned, going on a summer break. Thanks to all of our hosts, and we want you to have a wonderful summer. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you when we return in July at 1 p.m. Remember, when we hear about Margaret and Luann's visit to the studio of the Eastern Airlines Radio Show, and the airline radio show, which they will be doing this week. We're so happy to have them uh, here in the St. Augustine area. Well, now, Mr. Merle Haggard, let's take us out of here on Silver Wings. Hey, thank everybody so much. Silver wings shining in the sunlight, roaring engines headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away and leaving me
Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.